I was on the guest list, and I was thrilled. And it was such a surprise, it was definitely not something that I had expected. It began about three weeks ago. Father Tom Hoare from St. Edmund's Retreat on Enders Island called me on the phone. And he said, would you like to come to lunch on Friday, October the 3rd? Well, without any hesitation whatsoever, I said, you bet. <laughs> and not only because I like to eat. It's also because I realized that this was not going to be an ordinary Friday afternoon meal on Enders Island. Although even those are pretty good. The food on Enders is great. Have you ever been there? October the 3rd, you see, was the day that Bishop Robert Morlino of Madison, Wisconsin, and Justice Antonin Scalia of the United States Supreme Court, this was the day that those two men were scheduled to receive awards from Father Tom and the people at St. Edmund's. And since it's not every day that I can sit down and have a meal with a good bishop, and a Catholic Justice of the United States Supreme Court, I jumped at the opportunity. And then I prayed all week that a funeral would not come in for Friday morning late. <laughs> because if one had come in, I would have had to pick up the phone, call Father Tom and say, as much as I would like to be there, I can't. My first obligation, my first duty is to the people of St. Pius X Church. And we did have two funerals that week, but they were both on Thursday. With respect to this special luncheon, I was on the guest list. But that did not mean that I would actually be at the celebration. Although, thankfully, I was, and I got to meet Justice Scalia. We had a very nice conversation. You see where I'm going with this, I'm sure. In today's Gospel parable from Matthew chapter 23, we hear about a number of people who were also on a guest list. The original guest list for the wedding of a certain king's son. But the amazing thing is, none of them actually attended the event. It's very clear Jesus used the wedding feast in this story as a metaphor. As a metaphor for the kingdom of heaven. We know that for a fact because Jesus said it. He begins the story, begins the parable with the words, The kingdom of heaven is like. Now if you read the story carefully, what you see is, there were four reasons why some of these invited guests did not attend. These are extremely important because, believe it or not, they're the very same reasons why some people today might miss out on the eternal wedding feast of Jesus Christ, our Savior. The first group that's mentioned initially refused to come. No further details are given. They were invited to the feast, but apparently they just didn't want to go. Now you might say, but Father Ray, how does that relate to the kingdom of heaven? 
I can't imagine anybody saying no to eternal life with Jesus Christ in his glorious kingdom. Well, think about it. What's in heaven? In heaven, there is only goodness. There's no vice in heaven. There's no sin in heaven. But if you've lived the better part of your life steeped in vice, steeped in sin, holding grudges, thinking only of yourself, lusting, lying, cheating, stealing, etc., and you have found great enjoyment in those things, would you really want to go to a place where everybody is pure and honest and selfless and kind? Probably not. You see, it's possible to choose hell for all eternity by choosing the things of hell right now, in time. Of course, we have to be very careful here. And this needs to be said in the context of this homily. We have to be very careful not to judge anyone in this regard. Even if we think that we know someone extremely well, only God is qualified to judge whether that particular person will spend forever at the wedding feast of his son or in the other place. I had a teenage boy come up to me a few weeks ago and tell me that his grandfather had recently died. And he was very troubled, as you might imagine. But something deeper was going on here. He said to me at that point, Father Ray, I need to ask you a question about my grandfather. Should I pray for him? He didn't go to church. He really wasn't the nicest person in the world. Is there any hope for him? He was very troubled. I said to this young man, of course there is. In fact, all the more you should pray for your grandfather. Pray that he died in the state of grace. Pray that in some way, in some fashion, before he took his final breath, he opened his heart to God and his love. Pray for him that he will pass quickly through purgatory if he needs to go there. Pray that you will see him again. The church says that we are supposed to have hope. For everyone in the face of death, even for people whom we thought were hopeless. We're then told that the first group of invitees ignored the king's invitation when it came to them a second time. One went to his farm, scripture says, another to his business. This part of the parable is a warning, a very clear warning against putting other things before God and before our Catholic faith. In this regard, I'll tell you, it never ceases to amaze me how quickly and how easily some people put other things before the required worship of God at Sunday Mass. You know, this is the time of year when I'm 
in our school a lot hearing confessions. I'm also at CCD classes hearing confessions. I like to go through the school twice a year, in the fall and in the spring, and hearing the Catholic children's confessions at that time. And also, I do that for the CCD children. And I can't tell you how often I hear these young people say, Oh, Father Ray, we can't go to Mass every Sunday because we're too busy. Do you realize that's the same excuse these invited guests used in this parable? These guests who never made it to the feast. But you know, it goes even beyond that. If some Catholics were totally honest, they would be forced to admit that they put their politics at times before their faith. That happens a lot during election years. I hope it doesn't happen with anyone here, but it does with some. Some people put their sinful pastimes before their faith. That's the priority in their lives. Some people put their ungodly relationships before their faith. It's a very real temptation for all of us. And we have to know when we do that, when we put other things before Jesus Christ in our lives, what we are doing, in effect, is ignoring the invitation from the King of Kings. We're ignoring the invitation he gives us to the wedding banquet, the eternal wedding banquet of his son. Another group didn't get to the feast, according to this story, because they attacked and murdered the king's messengers. Those people represent the Bill Mars, the Rosie O'Donnells, and the many others out there in the world who openly attack the church, who openly attack the gospel the church preaches. There are a lot of them out there. We all know that. We need to pray for these people. We need to pray for their conversions. And speaking of conversions, perhaps the most tragic part of this parable comes at the very end. Here we encounter a man who represents the last group that missed the big feast. And I say this is the most tragic part of the story because the man in question actually got through the front door. He was there, but he was not allowed to stay. The key to understanding why he wasn't able to stay is found in that detail of the wedding garment. In this story that Jesus told, the wearing of the wedding garment is symbolic. It's symbolic of being in the state of grace, of being right with the Lord. And that really shouldn't surprise us. That should be pretty easy for us to understand because what happens at baptism? The baby or even the older person, the adult, after they are baptized, they are clothed in a white garment as a symbol of their being washed clean of sin and being in the state of grace. It says here that the king sent one last group of servants out into the streets to bring in, quote-unquote, the bad and the good alike. Ah. Thank you, 
God. Do you know what? That's my favorite line in the story because you know what it means? It means that no matter how bad I become in my life, there's still hope. I can still get into the feast. That's great news. That line means that even those who are evil, and I mean really evil, have the potential to be saved. But it is not automatic. To be saved in the end and enter the eternal wedding feast of the Savior, you must repent of your sins. You must be washed clean in the blood of Jesus Christ and thus clothed in the wedding garment. So what was the problem with this particular guy in the parable? Very simple. It's very simple. He had not repented. He tried to bypass that necessary step in the process. That's why he didn't have his garment on when he met the king. And it's why he couldn't stay. This, of course, is why confession is such a blessing, such a gift to us Catholics. And this is why we should receive that sacrament on a regular basis. I was on the guest list for that special luncheon at Enders Island the other day, and for that I am extremely grateful to Father Tom Hoare. He didn't have to invite me, but he did. But I'll tell you this, my brothers and sisters, I am much, much, much more grateful for the fact that I am also on the guest list for the eternal wedding feast of the Lamb of God in heaven. And you should be grateful too. Because whether you realize it or not, you are also on that divine guest list. But let's remember the last words of Jesus in this story. Many are invited. That is to say, many are on the guest list, but few are chosen. May Almighty God help us to live our Catholic faith every day and to repent of our sins whenever we need to, so that all of us will be among the chosen few.